1: Another fun episode of Emerge from the Huntington Bank Podcast Studio with Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting hanging out with my partner in crime, Jason McKenna from RoboMatter.
2: How are you, Jonathan?
1: I'm doing great, man. Like we, I think we always start the show off saying we get to have a lot of fun doing this. We do.
2: We do. It's like the highlight of the week. It is.
1: It's cool because we get to talk to some really cool folks. Yes. And this is, I think, our, our sixth podcast that we're spinning up.
2: Something like that. It's closed. We're, yeah. we're developing
1: a little bit of a bank of these things. Yeah, exactly. And, and a library. Yeah. And so I remember a few podcasts back, we talked to a really cool dude, John Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and Which behold, might have been – I
2: mean, let's be honest. This might have been your favorite podcast because he brought food.
1: He brought not just food. He, he bought crusty bread. <laughs> like, and when he said, you don't need butter for this, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: I brought the loaf of bread home. And I said, no butter. It did not need butter.
2: Wow. I, only used, I,
1: only, I only used butter for one reason to make grilled cheese. <laughs> and it was a phenomenal grilled cheese. I consider myself a connoisseur of the grilled cheese. Nice. So, as does
2: so. my daughter. We'll have to get you guys together on that we one could, day. We could
1: be have a grilled cheese. Might be like a podcast episode, out. yeah. Oh, the grilled cheese episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we could go through whole strategy. that's the
1: whole thing about it, yeah. But a good grilled cheese always starts with the best bread. And that's what John Davis brought to uh, to the Emerge podcast. <laughs> so that's how we get to have fun and eat bread and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Without any further ado. <laughs> so 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 Jason, you after after we had John stop by, you're like, wait a second, we've got to bring his better half in.
2: Yes. And that's what we have. We have Literally Beth Davis Literally saving the today. best for last. Yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> now,
1: originally, when Beth was like, oh, I make some great macaroons, I'm going to bring them in. And she didn't bring them in. I did But that's not. okay. I, yeah. <laughs> it's on
0: the list, Jonathan. It's, no, it's on all, the list. It's all good. <laughs> they are good. They I are believe, good. I believe
1: if it's anything like the bread, you guys could probably put like Gabby and Jules out of business if you wanted to.
0: We might, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> Decalibri was the bakery, and it, it lives in our hearts for now. So <sighs> it lives in horrible. our hearts.
1: <laughs> so Beth, what... First off, what's your background? Who is Beth Davis? What do you do? Because I know it's all about this cool intersection of agile and HR.
0: Yeah. Uh, who is Beth Davis? That's a big question, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I, I born and raised you know, here in Pittsburgh and, and have lived here my whole life and, and have been fortunate to get to work with lots of neat companies all over the globe. Um, and never actually had to leave Pittsburgh to do that, which is kind of cool.
1: Wow. in Pittsburgh the entire time?
0: They ho- the entire time, yeah. Born and raised in a Western PA, daughter of a high school uh, English teacher slash football coach who was super into technology, I told Jason, back in the 80s when we had our Commodore 64.
1: Wait, I had a VIC-20. Did you? Yes. Okay. I always wanted the Commodore 64 because it had quite a few more features. I'm <laughs> not sure if the one we got
0: was, you know, lifted from the school or not. But, um, <laughs> it was
1: lifted. Um, yeah,
0: sorry, Dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The uh, you know, but got into to this world of you know HR and people development almost by happenstance. Um, yeah. Got into sociology and found a company called Free Markets. Uh, I remember
1: that little company yeah, called Free right Markets. Right out of
0: college, and wait, uh, wait, right
1: out of college,
0: right out of college. Um, nice. I started there in people development. In recruiting, when we grew from about, I think I was employee like 306, something like that. We all remember that. Right. Those of us that were there. And we grew to about close to a 1,000 people that year. I
1: interviewed Glenn Meekham. I think, when he hired his 30th employee. Yeah. He was really just starting to get some traction with free markets. And it was this, you know, let's see what happens with this like reverse auction kind of internet bid kind of thing. Well, I grew up,
0: you know, dad was a teacher, mom stayed at home mostly and grew up as I say lovingly, two doors up from a cow farm out in uh, Westmoreland County, and if you had told me yeah. all these years later I'd gotten to go to, um, you know, travel the world and get to meet amazing people, I'd have told you you were nuts, and just found my uh, passion, and, and what was neat about that experience in getting into quote-unquote HR was, you know, Glenn actually said, you know, I don't want it to be like Dilbert, and at the time I was like, what's Dilbert, and you know, go on and see, oh, okay, yeah, no, we don't want that either, And the path for me has just kind of been winding throughout the rest of my career to explore just the power our profession has to make companies really great, whether that's through technology or development. You know, and now 20 years later, back at a a really neat little gem of a company called Single Source here in uh, the South Hills, and we're getting to do Agile as a culture and not just Scrum and technology and things, but actually using it for people development and figuring out how to make companies more agile and not just to go faster or be like cool. It was really about engaging people and empowering people. So it's just been a neat ride and um, just love what I get to do. Got to work with Jason a couple of years ago at RoboMatter too. So
1: that's, cool. that's kind of
0: me in a nutshell, I guess.
1: That's a good, that's a very cool nutshell. <laughs> and what I think is really neat is the idea that we're looking, exploring agile across all these different areas that we've been doing. It seems like agile is this form of physics. <laughs> it's like it's like it's there's some sort of truth to it that kind of kinda comes across yeah. the uh, the the universe as far as yeah. it. that's why Jason it's fun hanging out with you being able to talk about these different angles
2: yeah it's, what's what's fun about it is and and kind of what what permeates everything and you know something that we we talked about a bunch when Beth worked with us at Robomatter and um, also you know what, what you're doing right now you know at Single Source and kind of at the you know. Kind of at the heart of it, like if you're really going to try to identify like what agile is and why it's able to, you know, affect all these different you know industries or whatever, it's it's about really it's about um, experiments, right? So you you try something, you see if it works, you analyze the results, you say let's keep doing it or let's try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you first kind of look at it like that, you know, it seems like common sense, but then you understand that most people, most companies don't do that. Um, inertia is a powerful thing yeah. and people will just continue to do the same thing over and over again. A company will continue to do the same thing over and over again because you know, that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's easy to do. But yeah. if you
1: try it a little differently, it might get better Yeah. a different yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: What's interesting about what you're saying, Jason, too, is, um, there's an aspect of people think about being agile as like constant change and it is, and I think. Where you get better at it is when you have some focus, when you're doing those experiments with some purpose in mind. Um, because often what happens is, and I've seen this a couple times at companies where they get into change fatigue cycles, where sure. employees are like, oh my gosh, do, are we ever going to stick with anything? And it's more that we're going to innovate and learn because we're going somewhere together. And we're trying to get to some end game. And people... Right. Are naturally uh, different. And when you're trying to bring teams together to work in these new ways and experiment and make it safe for them. And like psychological safety is a huge part of this. Some people have a bias towards prior experiences. You know, they might say, oh, yeah, I worked with Jason before and I trust him and he's actually going to follow through and let me be creative and interesting but maybe i worked with jonathan at another company he's not, the worst he's the worst yeah no. but he's more controlling and and he didn't like my ideas and controlling so, is an understatement okay. is it okay <laughs> i read people yes, well
1: <laughs>
0: um but this idea of when we're asking people to work in these new ways and it's not comfortable and if you think about going in college or high school and they're like let's do a team project and everyone's like "Ugh, it's the worst it's often because we can't Understand our differences and how to how to work better together. And I don't know, you know, Robomatter or other places when you see people coming together and not just from diverse backgrounds, but just different strength points. Like yeah. how that either lets you get successful experiments going or actually completely derails you into the drama zone that we talk yeah,
2: about. The drama zones. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll touch on the drama zone a little bit later. But um, <laughs> where I want to kind of start off was uh, the reason why I was so excited having the podcast is you know in our previous episodes we've talked a lot about outcomes Mm -hmm. right and we've we whether you know we had our last podcast was with uh latrenda who's doing from remake learning who's doing a lot right now that was cool yeah for cs for pittsburgh and that was a lot about you know we would like to be able to see our students reach these outcomes and when we had john on and we had other folks on it was like you know we want to be able to see people reach these outcomes and and thinking about that i always always think about this story um I was in Indonesia, and my flight actually got delayed. And um, actually, no, my flight wasn't delayed. Um, You have to – traffic is so bad in Indonesia, you have to leave, like, four hours early to do, like, a 10-mile drive, right? Um, And you sometimes there might be no traffic, and you get there, and you're you're stuck, and you're waiting, or sometimes you're sitting there in traffic for three hours. Well, we had the former. So we got to the airport very early, and I was traveling – uh, with uh, this friend I was working with at the time, Cheng Po. And Cheng Po was from Singapore. And we were talking about, you know, the education system in Singapore and how successful it was and everything else like that. And, and he had a very interesting insight. He said, you know, in Singapore we do a lot of things to emphasize education. You know, the highest paid profession in Singapore is a teacher. Teachers make more than the principals. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, things yeah. of that nature. But, oh. he's like, but he's like, that's really not it, though. So that's, that's not the thing. He said, when Singapore was first created, we realized kind of like as a, as a country that the only natural resource we have is people. Hmm. We don't have oil. You know, we don't have any kind of industry. We don't have any of this stuff. It's, in- it's their talent. It's, it's their it's folks, yeah. The only natural resource we have is people. And he talked about a lot of the things that they did to try to cultivate that natural resource of People. and that always stuck with me, because once again, in, in whether it's in a workplace or it's in education, we often talk about the outcomes that we want, but we very rarely talk about the inputs that we're willing to do in order to be able to reach those outcomes. Did right? you
0: happen to talk to John last night by chance? No, I did not. So this is so this is where like you know you talk about inertia. Um, I, I'm touching on the Singapore comment. He. Uh, One of the students in in his class at CMU last night brought up uh, about Singapore, actually, and about servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I get to do is also rooted in servant leadership. And the whole point of it is servant leaders are about other people's higher development and helping others reach their greatest potentials. And the student, I'll get the story completely wrong at some level, was really connecting to a big part of Agile, is servant leadership and the idea of, and especially Scrum, people being about other people's higher development. And this student happened to comment about his experience growing up in Singapore and talking about that culture existing, not just in their school systems, but really in their culture to say Mm -hmm. it's really about helping other people get stronger, better, more talented. Because as a leader, then I'm more stronger, better talented, and more cultivating more talent into the world. So that just kind of freaked me out that you went to <laughs> Singapore with that comment, yeah, and then here's this other link into to our conversation. But, but what, you're,
2: what you're talking about right there, right, is very counterintuitive to most folks. Sure. Right? It's, you know, whether you know, it's because I'm watching a show on TV, or it's just what I've heard, or whatever, it's... You know, I gotta look out for number one, and yeah. I'm gonna do all of these office politics to make myself look great and make these other people look bad. And, yeah, you know, and, and I'm
0: rewarded for that I'm at some level. For and, that. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, I
2: get I get the big office. Yeah, you know, I was I was I, I was like it's gonna be a Dilbert cartoon. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well,
0: and you don't realize what. The other choices, because I can think about some of my bigger corporate experiences and not that I maybe was out to get just for me, but it was very me focused and all the risks out with me, too. So if we're successful, awesome. And if we're not, oh, it's on me. And yeah. that's where that heroic leadership comes in to to teams, companies, even in school, right? You're rewarded for your A's, your test scores, and at this, you know, maybe at the detriment of your your classmates at some level. So it's an interesting mindset shift and when you learn there's a better choice or another choice it doesn't make you a bad person when you're controlling the outcomes right it's just if you're not thinking about who's going to replace me and not just as the leader but you know you talked earlier about you know having staff transition changes Mm -hmm. you know you can kind of get yourself into a lurch when somebody leaves if you haven't developed somebody else or you assume well jason would never want to learn this HR stuff, uh, yeah. but maybe he would.
1: So it, it, it really becomes apparent that how important having an agile environment is to have people cross-trained and have people be able to quickly spin up and take on new responsibilities as the need arises.
0: Yeah. We talk about like T-shaped people, yeah. you know, get, get deep and good at a couple things, have some expertise, but that natural curiosity to want to learn and, branch right? out and, and, and to also develop new skills because then you become more resilient. As a company. Plus, and it
1: makes your job more fun. Yeah. And you learn new goes, things. Right? Yeah. yeah. And
0: how do you grow your career? It doesn't mean you just have to go up the ladder to make more money. And, and not everyone's intrinsically motivated by money. Um, if I can get satisfaction and want to stay at a company and contribute and be a good citizen there because I'm getting all these cool opportunities, that's fantastic. That's like HR gold. Yeah. Right. You don't have to have a bunch of initiatives to engage people. You just engage people by treating them with respect and figuring out what motivates them. It's a we, mindset shift.
2: It's funny about that. As we um, did a thing oh. on Tuesday of last week, uh, we went to uh, Tech Elevator, and they were having um, – so Tech Elevator here in Pittsburgh, they'll take – I'm not sure how many, but they'll take, like, 20 or 30 people, put them through 14 weeks of, like, a coding boot camp. Intensive. Yeah. Well, we – I'll, I'll
0: relate to – we yeah. were there on Monday oh, at okay. a single source. Yeah, yeah uh, so Matt we, Beck and John were there recruiting as well. We so. were recruiting <laughs>
2: there, yes. Yeah, so we were there on Tuesday recruiting, but, like – um, you know, our pitch was, you know, basically so we brought two robots with us and um, we said, listen, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to, to work with us and you're going to develop tools with these things that are going to reach, you know, millions of kids all over the world. So, you know, you can go work for a big bank and input data all day or you can come work for us and, you know, touch a kid's life and change the world. You know, that's a little bit more. It's a little more compelling, you would think,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
0: well, and they're doing something neat there, too. Um, and I know that you know Justin Driscoll. Um, we know Justin. Our well. friend Justin. Um, he's the campus director here in Pittsburgh. And he's brought um, strength finders into the yeah. program there right. and and helping. So we were doing
1: strength finders here at the PTC. That's awesome. That's where he learned it yeah, from, fantastic. See, That's fantastic. Right. <laughs> um,
0: but it's connecting people to their purpose where you're talking and then connecting them to their strengths and then landing somewhere where if someone's really motivated by what you just said – and realizing I can go connect to my personal values in my job, like wow, that's, that that becomes gold. That, at that is point. gold. I
1: mean, total dynamite gold. It yeah. explodes in a good way. Like, and you
0: become an attraction culture for people who want to be a part of something like that. And if you're really up for the bank thing, that's great too. But find your place. Exactly. Get,
2: get your get your incentives lined. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like we're you know like we've talked about before on our on this podcast. You know we're a you know a, and as most agile work environments are we're flat Mm -hmm. so if you're the type of person who does want to climb the corporate ladder so to speak uh we're probably not the right company for you there's nothing wrong with that you know Mm -hmm. i mean if you if that's if that's your goal if that's your motivation if you're someone that you know wants to have we we joke all the time um i was we were down at um the main offices um wednesday thursday and friday it's we were joking with the owners of the company about you know uh picking the title for the occasion. Do you know what I mean? So if it's like, you know, if you're talking in front of this group, you know, then Jason, you would have this title. But if you're talking in front <laughs> of that group, you'd have, you know, so we don't take those things seriously. Yeah. If you're someone that does, you know what I mean? If that's one of your goals, then we're probably not the right person, you know, probably not the right company for you to come work with. But Are you
0: telling people that up front, though, as part of your recruitment process, right? We're telling people that up front, process, yeah, right? exactly, so, And I exactly. think, you know, when companies can do that, and I, you're you know, connecting me back to our free markets days, I mean, at the heyday, we were changing quarter over quarter, we were... Very agile. As I look back, the reason this all has always made sense to me, and I'm like, wait, that's how we always used to work. Like twenty years. Ago. I was say, literally,
1: because I mean, with a company like Free Markets, as fast they were growing yeah. and innovating, and we predicting. were always
0: collaborating with like the business and and all that. But we would tell people up front, like we change often. You know, sometimes it feels like on a dime. Always with intention. But if you're the kind of person who wants a steady consistent, predictable work experience, this may not be the place for you. And so Correct. It, it's great to hear what you're saying because I think the more, know, um, recruiting is something that's really important to me, is the more you can be upfront and transparent with people about who you are and your identity versus kind of selling somebody a, a package I that isn't reality. I think you see that a lot where
1: people are kind of overselling the company and what they're going to be doing. And, yeah. and, and, it's like
0: here's where yeah. we are today, you know, and, exactly. and this is kind of. I'm,
1: and how important is it to kind of show You know, the warts and all. I know many times when we're (laughs) when we're hiring here at the Pittsburgh Tech Council, I always tell people like, You gotta be into working long hours and having fun. Like, you, it, it becomes something where, like, you know, if, if you want to continually be pivoting, continually thinking something new, it, not looking forward to having the same day every day, mm-hmm. and this is the place to be. And I've, I've scared some people away. I literally was trying to hire an intern earlier this year, and I was really frank about, like, how schizophrenic it can be getting publications out the door, scheduling radio shows, things like that.
0: And yet, you may have made such an impression on that person because yeah. you actually told them the truth. Well,
1: so you, exactly. So, the follow-up was she, she was down for doing the job, and I was like, cool, i got to make a really cool person to turn for me this summer, yeah. And I was the next day I get this email saying, i have been thinking about all the things you talked about, and I don't think this is quite the right fit for me." And well, I'm, I'm, I was really happy with, with with you know their their transparency and their honesty, and but I was like, "Yeah, I'm glad because then it wouldn't have worked out. It would have been terrible for them and for us." Yeah. And so that's why I'm always like, "Nope, I'll let, I'll let people know that like it's yeah. not rainbows and sunshine all the time. We we are doing fun, important work, but it's stressful. Absolutely, like, you know, when you're trying to lift heavy objects,
0: and that draws people too, too from an authenticity standpoint." You know, and, and people, that's trust building. Right? Yeah. Because you're not sugarcoating things. And you brought up too, Jason, about titles. Um, one of the things that's neat, uh, I've come to know a woman uh, from Sweden named uh, Pia Maria Thorin. I wrote a book called Agile People. And uh, the last couple of years before I joined Single Source, I was, and I'm still on a mission to help our profession evolve and really see the power of um, these different approaches and how we really can be a catalyst for amazing things in our companies. And I found her on LinkedIn. And uh, we're working through becoming uh, certified as a uh, person who's going to actually be one of the first in this country to get really? to teach uh, Agile Talent certifications. Oh, that's cool! So, um, but I bring her up because in the class we talked about job descriptions and job responsibilities not as a box to live in, but really a box to stand on, uh, and helping get past this idea of you know like yes, a starting all
1: point their, almost. All other right? duties
0: is assigned and putting people in these rigid boxes. But yeah, like what's your general responsibility? And there's some really amazing uh, companies, even in this country, uh, Morningstar out in California. Mm -hmm. They're like tomato packaging and processing like largest in the country. They have no lead. Everyone's a boss. And it's kind of cool. They actually um, have a completely self-managed, self-organized company where you're free to make decisions. But there's this peer accountability model.
1: Interesting. Where...
0: Like you decide your salary with your peers, and you decide your job with your peers, and it's just.
1: Where did that develop from? That is an interesting. <laughs> I've never heard of that before.
0: A lot of that is rooted in you know these agile, uh, the agile manifesto, agile principles, self self management, self organization, and it's what it comes down to. And we talked about this at Single Source. What always gets in the way of these kind of changes and transformations is is I say us, the leaders. Um, because of what Jason said. But if you can have a leader who has the vision to say, let's treat people like adults, right? You know, you can buy cars and homes and maybe produce children. And sometimes we come into the workplace, we treat you like a kid who doesn't know how to do anything. And so it it's takes really that, point. that yeah. right kind of leader to say, let me set you some boundaries for action and decision-making, delegate the right levels of authority. And then we hold each other responsible, not just accountable, but like we're responsible to each other. And if you can... Put the right mix of people together that drives like that. Seems like it's going
1: to build a really cohesive team and yeah. a team that'd be hard to break up. So really can help keep yeah. consistency and keep people motivated.
0: And that's what we're doing at wow. Single Source too. We're getting um, the opportunity. You know, our leadership team there: Brian, Colin, Brian Uffelman, Andre Lacouture, Ed Austin. You know, our, our exec team, our owners. Have kind of allowed us, and John and I work together there too. By the way, okay. um, we can't not work together. <laughs> we cannot not work. We have uh, yeah, um, and it's the, the the organizational effectiveness and the organizational development kind of marriage. Not to be ironic about that comment, if you get the right environment that folks will let you do this and create a safe environment, it's it's pretty cool to watch people's engagement spike up. And guess what happens when that happens? You make more money, and you're more successful because you're focusing on your people first. That attracts uh, better experience for your customers, which, guess what? Make more money, and the cycle continues versus let's hit that number, and let's only focus on the number. Well, what if we focused on our people first?
1: Exactly. So how how does an employer get that momentum started? How do they make that... Change. You say this is how we need to operate. It seems like a lot of companies that kind of naturally happen that way, or is it something that you say? Nope. I got to bring somebody in and put a plan together, and then we kind of hit the start button. Is that how it works? How,
0: yeah. How, I mean, you your journey. You talked a little bit last time about how Robo started to shift its thinking.
2: Yeah. Well, we had we had a very you know um, when we did that, Skip, Skip Smith was our president. We had a very strong leader who you know very much believed in concepts like uh, servant leadership and. Um, self organizing teams self managing teams and those types of things, which basically allowed you to uh, to give you that room right and the the work or the sweat however you want to think about it involved in that is that um, it is work right because everyone is going to be at different levels right. so some people are going to be ready to jump into a self Organized teams. Some yeah. people are not ready to do that, and then, you know, your people are your people. So I, used to, I, I gave this analogy on um, Friday. We were, like I said, I was in, I was in Texas. I was in Dallas, and when I to, do you know, to go back since you mentioned your, your, your dad as, as the football coach, um, we used to have this thing that we said all the time when I coached football, and the same thing applies in work. So you, you'd be, you know, I, was, I always coached defense when I coached. And so I'd, did he. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd talk to the linebacker coach, and I would say, hey, why is that kid making that mistake? He'd be like, I don't know, Jason, I've told him five times not to do that. So my retort back to that always was, well, why is five the magic number? Mm-hmm. Exactly. They would look at me and I would say, "Why not six? Mm-hmm.
1: One more time, come on!"
2: Or then seven. Why in. tell? How about show him? Because the point is, the point was, is listen. He's he's the only person that we need him to play. Like, that's our guy. Yeah. We're we're gonna live and die with him. So, like just saying I did it five times isn't a good enough. Yeah. Bases aren't covered at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then same thing at work, right? So. This notion, you know, that I had coming from education to business is like, well, if someone's just not working out, you just fire them and you hire someone else. Like, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> you can't do that. No. It's not – you don't have this revolving door. So it's like, okay, these are our people, mm-hmm. and we've got to you – know, we have this goal that we want to be able to hit, you know, organizationally. Um, and these are the people that we got We got to work with to hit that goal. How are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. And once again, the work is – um, from a leadership perspective, you have to have a leader that trusts you, mm-hmm. that gives you the space, understands that there are going to be mistakes made. It's going to get messy. Yeah. And if it gets messy and if you bail, then you're just going to start back at square one. It's so
0: true. It's so, you, so true. So that's
2: – so, like, to, to, mm-hmm. to the original question, like, how do you get started with that? You have to get started with a leader that understands that there's going to be work. It's going to be messy. It's going to take time. You got to break
1: a few eggs, and make well, an omelet, right?
2: And yeah, you know, if you think, what's or the, make what's a macaroni. our food yeah. references, I love that. Or Leonard, did not Jonathan. have breakfast, but I love I eating. But, you know, Jason,
0: you hit on something too um, to Jonathan's question about how do you get it started? Where where I've always seen it go well is in those environments, and and in other environments, people think that you know we need to to go agile or become agile, and it's like it's not like something you ever become. It's just like servant leadership. Like you never officially become a servant leader. You're always working at it and where it falls down every time. And and I've seen it time and again, it's, it's the culture, it's the people, it's, if you don't see that it's not just a process to put onto people, you know, and, and I've done some of this with Scrum, it's like, it's not just a framework that you just follow and all of a sudden you're agile, and you always see bringing teams together and asking people to work together in new ways. Well, we can't have Jonathan on this team because he wasn't successful on, on this team. I'm well, very
1: controlling, remember.
0: Right, you yes, are very yes. controlling. Yes. But what if we put Jonathan in this new context or this new environment with different people, and all of a sudden he starts to thrive? And he was maybe someone that we would have said isn't our best person, And yet, putting someone in a new context allows them to be wildly successful. Because if you think about the cost of recruiting and the cost of turnover and just the churn of
1: That's a great point, actually, Yeah, when you look at it that way, just from the standpoint of, like, you already have some talent here. (laughs) You can make some chess moves. And why are we assuming
0: things about them just by nature of what we've seen before? Um, But to Jason's point, too, it is the hard work and the soft skills. There's a lot of work.
1: It's the good work, work, though. And it takes
0: some fortitude. And what about
1: trying to take this type of methodology for, like, a smaller company? Say you're, you're like, you are a free markets and you're, mm-hmm. like, 30 people in mm-hmm. at that point or 10 people in. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a good – that's probably a good time to get, just get that servant leadership kind of – New mode going on in your brain too. Yeah. It's that way it's something that you just start doing. So it's not like, well, geez, we've gotten this big and we're kind of dysfunctional. Will this, you know, solve our dysfunctionality? You make such
0: a good point. Uh, it seems to me that usually it's, it's the latter. Um, if you're an entrepreneur or starting your organization, I think, and I've had this conversation with you, Jason. It's how do we get started and set the culture in place? Because right. as you
1: mentioned, because like Glenn Meekum early on was saying, I don't want this place to be Dilbert. I still
0: remember our values, yeah. you know, honesty, courage, graciousness, respect, balance, urgency. Wow. You know, those have... shows
1: you how impactful it is where it's 20 years later. And I assume and that's, that's how the head. rest
0: of the world was going to be right. when I left. No. <laughs> um, but I think getting started early with a purpose, what's our culture, and not just – you know, lots of companies have values on the wall. And I, I talk often, like, so did Enron. They were in marble. And we all know what happened to them. And if you don't, Google it. They, they um, tried
1: shredding that marble thing. Right. It broke the shredder, yeah. But you
0: can't, you can't just put them up and say, you know, these are our values or have a mission I'm statement. I'm always
1: suspect of that. Honestly, there are times when, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I seem like, really? So you stapled it to your wall.
0: But ask people. And I can
1: tell you're living it every day. But
0: mm-hmm. that's the thing, <laughs> you know, Jonathan and Jason, It's it's, if you're going to, purport it, be ready to talk about it. And one of the cool things we're getting to do at single source with our whole company and and anyone from the company listening to me now will laugh because I'm always like, ah, look, that's modesty in action. So one of our home values is modesty and modesty is all about a team environment and that it's, you know, we're, we're a team at the end of the day. And instead of just publishing them, we call it out all the time. We're like, ah, look, healthy esteem. You know, someone is out doing good in the community Um, Maybe I get that one today. But making it okay for people to talk about it, but also asking people, well, how does this in our interviews? Jason, you know, does this resonate with you? Or, like, here's our greater goal. This is what we do. Do you connect to that? And if not, we can help people, like you said with the interns, figure out that this maybe isn't a place for me. But those who are values-driven don't just See it on our website. They're really seeing us in action every day,
2: exactly. constantly okay. pointing
0: to it. So, but other companies just do it as a check the box and yeah. move you, on.
2: You get what you emphasize. Mm-hmm. So you just have to ask yourself, what are you emphasizing? Right. You know, and because right. and, 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 that 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 will be what you will get. You know, contrary to what might be up on your walls or yeah. even in the employee contract or whatever those particular things are. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to, you know, I, I think the idea of because the, the the issue that you always kind of run into this, with this, as I should say, is that um, when you go to a group of employees, whether it's 10 or 3,000, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, we're going to be self-organizing, you guys can go with this and that, they're going all going to say, this is fantastic. This is amazing. Yeah, you're not you're not going to be controlling. That's great. Mm. You know, what I mean, let's let's not do <laughs> that. We're not going to be controlling. Right. We're, exactly. we're gonna we're gonna have a type of environment where we all support each other and do th- th- this. All sounds great. Yeah, I think sometimes a
1: lot of times it people are just kind of stating this obvious. So of course, like what else are you could say? Our
2: value already be cruel to people every day. Like no, yeah, you just said that. Yeah. It sounds great. It sounds great. It sounds yeah. great. <laughs> But there, once again, there's 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 the, there's a lot of work involved in, in it. And the analogy I give all the time is if I had a if I had a dollar for every time you know my 20 years of education, every time at a parent teacher conference, and because I taught for 20 years, I had a lot of families. I taught you know multiple members, siblings. I have the mom and dad come in. They would say. You know, Jason, I, I, they call me Mr. McKenna. Mr. McKenna, I just don't get <laughs> Mr. it. Mr. McKenna. Yeah, funny. Playing <laughs> the back of it now. They're like, I don't get it. You know, we have two kids. We do the exact same thing with each of them, mm-hmm. the exact same structure, and they're total opposites. So, like, the reason that conversation always happens, I usually, I would have the older son or daughter, and they were, like, you know, the perfect student. And then I would have <laughs> and younger the one. younger one. Right. <laughs> And they would, they would basically come into the parent-teacher conference apologizing. They'd be like, listen. <laughs> oh, man. It's Jeez. nothing like, and, you know, and, but that always resonated with me because when you're, when you're trained and being educated, you go and you take child psychology classes, like a lot of it is very Pavlovian, mm-hmm. right? You do these things and you're going to get these outcomes. Well, guess what? That doesn't work. You know, people don't always respond to incentives as you would expect them to, yep. whether that's Exactly. Boss to employee. Yeah, but where I'm getting at was what we were talking about, or whether it's employee to employee. Yep. Right. How do we either relate or not?
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, people are just too dang complicated. People so are great. Teacher, right? <laughs>
2: What's that? You're a math teacher. I taught right? everything. I taught sixth grade. So sixth I taught grade. Everything. Okay. Yeah. So I just yeah.
0: your, your example though is um, a good one because you know how you're treated. I had a math teacher. I won't say his name. That I wasn't the best at it. You know, yeah. just for who I am, my personality. It's not a strength. I love data, but I'm just not good at math. And his response was to put all of us that were not doing well in Algebra 2 um, in 8th grade right in the back of the room. And Perfect. it was basically the right thing to do. They're with distracting the, kids, the other right? kids. <laughs> the smart kids in the front. and um, But I got, like, A's and everything else. And I, and I think that it was one of those moments, and I'm a lot older than an 8th grader now, and can look back at that environment, made me really – start to move away because you say, I'm no actually, good at this.
1: I actually find it amazing if you think about all the awful management of people over the past, what, 20,000 years. Yeah. I, I mean, but all, but despite that, great companies have been built. Yeah, Things have happened. We've gone to the moon. Like, yeah. all these things have happened, but it seems like we keep messing it up. Yeah. But we're now finding these new methodologies through agile. I'm like, wait a second. Imagine if this stuff was, was being applied or people were thinking about right. the way humans are motivated, even... 40 years ago and like the difference we would have in, in society and work today. we I might not be, be
0: miserable. Yeah, right, it's exactly. it's I have this belief of um there'd be
1: a much different Dilbert cartoon. Yeah, how do we point, create right?
0: a better work experience so that when people go home at night they're not, you know, taking stress and anxiety back to their real life? Yeah. Um and I think where you just went to Jonathan um you know, I think the agile approach to HR and the belief systems I don't think I know is very much about let's manage the structure not the people. And I've said that to a few people recently. They're like, "Uh, what? I'm a people manager. like, but what if you didn't have to be? What if you could be a leader? What if you could be more? And oh, by the way, self-leadership, right? And, And do we need a lot of leaders? You know, you talk about flattening out, helping people who have been in organizations for 10, 20, 30 years where it was more follow these rules, command and control. You talked about asking people to shift and work differently. It sounds good. And if you're doing the change to people versus with people, you get a different result. So if you kind of foist a change on people, here's, we're going to work these new ways. And you don't assume my bias for my 30 years of desiring that in my heart, but knowing it's not safe, it's going to take time because you got to build trust and credibility that it is okay to challenge Jason, Mr. McKenna's thinking.
1: I'm going to start calling him
0: Mr. Mr. McKenna, McKenna. yeah.
2: we have to make a requirement. Yeah, I like that. But then that
0: gets into the drama, right? Because people feel like you're putting this change on them, and they didn't have a choice, and now I have to work this way. And and they can start to see the person asking them to work differently as a persecutor. And I get to do some, some cool work with uh, uh, Donna Zajon and David Emerald, uh, folks out in Washington State that wrote a really cool book called The Power of Ted, and it's now uh, three vital questions, and it's all about dealing with workplace drama. And if we wow, can get at that okay. quickly yeah. and help people realize, because we three, all get sucked three, into it every all day. All three, three vital questions. Three vital questions. Where is your focus? What's your interstate? You know, How are you relating to others and what behaviors? And if you can choose to focus on outcomes more than problems, m- more days than not. Makes not sense. that there's not real problems. You can break through and get somewhere good. But if you're always rooted in what's wrong, what's broken, who's against me, why it won't work.
1: It's not going to happen. It's not
0: going to happen. And you're going to just sit in drama. And then you're going to go home and say the same thing at home. What's wrong? What's broken? And then
1: (laughs) drama propagates drama. Because I think what happens is your brain becomes somewhat traumatized and you're in this state of like – I'm having adrenaline and stuff flowing through your system twenty four seven. It's brain seven. science, so, yeah, yeah. It is. It's oh. your. It's your emotional like I said,
0: brain
2: kicks in. And people
1: are too complicated. We to are complex. Yeah. <laughs> is what it boils down to. So, Jason, what would you say? Are some of our, our key takeaways from our conversation today.
2: Well, I think, yeah, uh, trying to think about this whole thing holistically. You know, um, I think having a structure that allows you to. Um, if I, if I was to kind of sum it up, it, if you want to think about what type of organization you want to be, no matter the size, no matter the industry, whether you're a school or whether you're in, you know, um, whatever, software development or whatever. Um, and, you know, do you want to be like a learning organization uh, that really cares about the growth and development of the people within the organization, um, you know, or... Uh, do you want to be more of like that command and control and you know command and control yeah, and those types of things? We will and, make you successful. Yeah, and you know um, uh, one more football analogy. This is this is really my first podcast where I've, where I've used football analogies, which is kind of funny. But, okay, you know, Mr. McKenna, uh, <laughs> Wow, well, it's Coach. McKenna I mean Coach now. McKenna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Walsh talked about this all the mm-hmm. time, and we, we, she would say, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you do the right things. Uh, the score will come. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on the score. Mm-hmm. Focus on doing the yeah, right thing, and, 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 and the score will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. It's like you know, Susan, too. Do the right come thing. On. Yeah, do just right do you know, I, And I, one thing, you know, what you, you talk about the three vital questions, like uh, I've had this conversation with, with people that I work with, I had this conversation with my daughter. You know, I've said, um, imagine what you would do tomorrow to have a great day, and do that. I love it. Just go do that. Do my then, my, do that. my, my driving you mantra
1: back, is this every day. When I leave my house, I always say to myself, just be a decent human being today.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, just then, don't then, be an a-hole. That's really what yeah.
1: it boils down to. Don't purposefully be an a-hole. And after. if you <laughs> are,
0: forgive yourself for the mistake and say, like, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to learn from that instead exactly. of kind of beating yourself up all the time. So just learn from the mistakes and wow. do your best. And then,
2: and then if you're – and then once again, if you're a leader in a company, you know, and it, you have that conversation with someone and you say, hey – you know, what what could you do to have a great day tomorrow? Do those things, and if there are any impediments, let me know. Mm-hmm. Very and cool. I can try and get rid of them See, for you. just
1: that simple. I like having Is these that? these big long conversations yep. and then distilling it down to these simple takeaways. That's why I love doing this podcast so much, Mister McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Nice. I'm so glad you brought you, you, brought, uh, you brought Beth Davis with us. Yep. From Single Source Agile HR. That did a great job.
0: Thank you. Yes. It's my pleasure, my if, joy. I if love you would this. have
1: brought like cupcakes or something like that, you would have officially been better than your husband.
0: Yeah, except I'm not good at cupcakes. But Jonathan, now you're
1: so. top. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you'll have to invite us both back together and We'd we'll love bring to. something amazing. Yes, yeah, so. I know.
1: You guys are like the power couple of Agile. Aw, uh, thanks. The In-spring. power couple of Agile. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd,
0: can we brand that? I think yeah, that's I, a T-shirt. Yeah, I, you, I, can I, it, it, awesome.
1: you can have it, man. Awesome. The next one's going to cost you five bucks. <laughs> Thank <so>. you, Jonathan. <laughs> Way too much fun. Jason Westman, Robomatter.com. People can learn all that shit.
2: Robomatter.com. Uh, check me out on Twitter, uh, McKenna J um, 72 And also, you can pick me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And then, Beth, how about for Single Source?
0: Yeah, uh, it's singlesourceproperty.com. Uh, new website coming soon, by the way. Cool. And uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, you can find me there and John as well. And just super pleasure. And thanks so Love much it. for having me.
1: Absolutely. And learn more about the Tech Council by going to pghtech.org. And of course, big props to Huntington Bank. They make the podcast room happen here at the Pittsburgh Tech uh, HQ. This is John the Kirsten with Jason McKenna bringing you Emerge. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you What do you do when you win?